Lay Me Down is an invitation to rest, to breathe, to give thanks. Guided by storytellers, troubadours, poets, and mystics, our aim is to create a place where we can lay down our troubles, our anxieties, where we can hear songs, stories, and voices that lead us home. Welcome to the first episode of Season 3. I'm your host, Pete Hicks. It's been a long and beautiful summer here, even into the last month, where normally it's raining and it's cold. We've had beautiful weather that's extended our garden life, extended the chores that we could get done. We've had visitors from all over the world stay with us this summer. There have been so many evenings that as the sun's setting, I can hear music float across the garden. And Fiona and I are in the space of recognizing the gifts that have been given to us and how our life is really reflecting what we love and who we love. It's been a season of celebrating joys with each other and also a season of bearing each other's burdens being quiet in sadness. I spent many hours this summer working on projects and I'd hear a truck pull up the drive and I would say, oh, maybe it's Sprouts. And then I'd realize that Sprouts has moved on, that he's dancing somewhere on high. On September 18th, we gathered together here in Sandpoint on the Pine Street Woods to share food together, to share music. But we gathered to celebrate the memory of this great man that impacted each of us so deeply. He's our local patron saint of fruit, particularly plums. During plum season, he'd show up in his truck and out of the back, he'd pull a five-gallon bucket filled with plums. And I'd say, Sprouts, how you doing? And he'd say, Plum crazy. Where you been today? Oh, on the other side of the county. And, you know, there's some great trees over there. And then I was down past Sagal. You know, and I'm calculating the miles he must have traveled to gather this fruit, and it's probably a hundred miles. And he brought it to my door to feed me, to feed my family, to feed all those who come through our house. What follows is some of the stories that came from our gathering. We're posting a video of the whole event on our Mycelium Collective YouTube channel, the Mycelium Collective. You can go up there, watch the whole thing. I think about 30 people shared. And there were so many that couldn't make it. So if you're one of those that couldn't make it, go up there and enjoy the stories. It was a beautiful day to be together. So many tears mingled with so much laughter, so much joy. 
a true celebration of a life well lived, a life lived in service. So um, after, after uh, college, he, uh, he served in Vietnam, and when he came back, uh, he, uh, he went to uh, Israel for a little while, he, and he went back to school to get his master's in early childhood ed education. And I think sometime during his time when he came back after his military service, there was some kind of transformation in his life, some kind of major shift. And I don't know what it was, but I think what really describes it well is yeah. something somebody here shared uh, months ago was that uh, you know after the war, uh, Jeff dedicated his life to bringing peace and love into the world instead of war. And I think for most of us, when we came in contact with him, we, we could see that. You know, we, 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 yeah, we really knew that's what he was about. Um, early memory for me of uh, being with Jeff was um, when I was 15 or 16, he asked me if I would massage his feet using a reflexology like nerve diagram chart. And for me, you know, being a teenager, you know, the only time I wanted to, you know, the only time I touched a guy was when I was wrestling, so uh, it was a bit weird. But it got weirder after he said, well, we're going to use olive oil, you know, during this. But, but I did, and um, uh, you know, it started a tradition of myself, you know, massaging my wife's feet. And even a couple of years ago, I had a buddy in pain, and I, I massaged his feet. And I thought about Jeff then. Um, thinking about Jeff. Uh, you know, I just I think about love, bringing love into the world, and I think about Corinthians, uh, where Paul writes about love, and he says, uh, "Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, and it does not dishonor others." And I think about Jeff, how he was patient. And he was kind, he is kind, and how he did not envy or boast or brag. Sometimes you kind of really had to pull information out of him. Um, and, and he did not dishonor others. He, he loved others. And, uh, man, I also uh, I ran across a book yesterday. It, it said, How to Make the World Better. And I think that was really how Jeff lived his life with that idea of just loving and, and that love is what made my world better and, and I'm sure many others. I was thinking of a conversation I had 
with Jeff many years ago. Um, I saw him on the street, and this is at least 30 years ago. It was when they were doing nuclear testing in Nevada. And he told me that he was on his way down to uh, the Nevada nuclear testing place to protest with a group of people that were, were protesting, I think, the following week. And I thought, wow, that sounds great. I almost went with him, but didn't happen that time. So I saw him a couple of weeks later and I said, so how was the protest? And he said, it was great, he said. I did not make it to the group. They actually met a week earlier. <laughs> so I was there by myself, but I protested all weekend. My journey with Jeff uh, started actually in 1974. Um, I had uh, come out here to meet my brother and uh, Jeffrey and my brother had struck up a friendship. And, uh, when Jeffrey heard that uh, somebody was going to be out here, they were certainly going to be needing a load of wood. And so he showed up with the pickup and, and uh, we went up and we got a load of wood and came back down, took care of what uh, I was going to be needing. And uh, we were around each other a, a fair amount in, in that time, but uh, um, I wound up leaving. And when I came back, um, I was married, and uh, we had moved up onto the same property, and uh, we hadn't seen Jeffrey yet, but Jeffrey heard that we were, we were back. And it was only about the second or third morning that we were here, and it was a ways off of the beaten path, shall we say. And you could hear this truck coming up the road from a long ways away. <laughs> and eventually it got up to the house and Jeffrey got out. He says, I understand somebody's up here and is gonna be needing some wood. <laughs> so <laughs> quickly uh, got ready and uh, took off because it was uh, certainly early in the morning took off and went on up Long Mountain. If you guys know where that is, it's up, uh, oh, probably about seven to 10 miles west of Kokolala Lake. And so we're up there cutting, and it used to be uh, some ground owned by uh, timber companies, and we would get back in there and be able to cut. We loaded up this truck, and the truck was fairly new to him, and it was a bigger one, and he had put bigger rails on it, so we just kept putting more and more wood on it and well we we way overloaded the truck and made it way tippy <laughs> and there we were up on top of Long Mountain and uh, there was no way to come back down on the uh, east side of Long Mountain down towards Kokolala so we uh, he says I think it's better going the other way down towards Bay <laughs> famous last words and <laughs> It, it took us a, 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 some of our firewood we actually wound up using to uh, help get the truck through certain areas. Um, but we did make it down. Um, 
and uh, only by now, uh, being at a time without cell phones and so forth, uh, we had people pretty concerned because it was uh, it was dark thirty plus, and uh, people from where we were living were coming up on the mountain looking for us, and of course they were coming up on the east side, and we were going down the west side. So when we eventually pulled back into the home site <laughs> much later that night, um, there were a lot of relieved people, but that was Jeffrey. People used to mistake me for Jeff. They'd call me Spouts. You know I'm the other guy. But it was an honor to be mistaken for him. I want to ask, raise your hands if Spouts ever did anything to help you. Okay, look around. I mean, that, that tells you. There he was. And he's bringing you something. He's bringing you firewood. He's bringing you plums, pears, whatever. Manure, he brought everybody manure. He, you know, he, he's coming by with a truck half full of stuff for the dump and says, you got anything to go to the dump? Sure, you know, I mean, it was always, and I, I mean, how could one man be everywhere and doing so many things for so many people? It, what a guy. So I, I wrote a book, some of you read it, it's called How the World Got Better. And it has to do with Thank you, thank you. It has to do with the question, and the question of how would you like this world to be? But Jeff lived his answer every day. And, and that's why we love him. So Jeff was a huge part of Camp Eureka. Every morning, he'd get out his mandolin and he'd sit up on the stage and he would wake up the children. And then he would teach gardening and um, wheatgrass, uh, making wheatgrass. And I don't know if you've ever tasted wheatgrass, but <laughs> most kids don't really like wheatgrass, but they loved wheatgrass with Jeff and Sprouts. So, um, and then at the very end of the week, we would have um, a, um, a showing of everything that the children did. And Jeff would get up on the stage and play a song. And I'm sorry because I, I really wanted to learn this song and play it for you, but I didn't. But it's called um, Forever Young. My name's Dave. Uh, 
Heard a lot of good uh, plant medicine already that Sprouts dispense. What about the old comfrey tube? How many of you got the comfrey tube from Sprouts? Ever mentioned anything sore? Out would come the tube of comfrey, and uh, you would immediately rub it on your sore elbow or wrist or ankle or whatever. Um, what about how Sprouts got his name? How many of you know how Sprouts got his name? Uh, this is a kind of a rare one. I got to live with Sprouts for 16 months, and so I got a lot of stories out of him in that time. But Sprouts was doing construction, I have no idea how many years ago, a long time ago, and every day at lunch they would break out their sandwiches, and whole construction crew and these guys would pull out these big roast beef sandwiches, turkey sandwiches, and Sprouts would pull out his vegetarian sandwich with his Sprouts on it. So they started calling him Sprouts. That's where he got his nickname. Um, yeah, my wife and I, we were, we were doing a, a change of life. We decided we were going to kind of quit our jobs and do a year of learning, and we needed someplace cheap to stay. And uh, Sprouts was like, well, I got this old boathouse. Why don't you live down in the boathouse? And uh, so we lived down in this boathouse, which was pretty much just a shack on the edge of the water. Um, <laughs> but it meant we got to be close to Sprouts. And uh, those 16 months are forever... Uh, valuable to me just uh, the time we got to spend together just come home and Sprouts would be uh, sitting out he had this one spot on his property that overlooked the water he called it the, the eyrie like the eagle's nest and it just looked out over the water and it was his spot where he would hang out and so I just come sit next to him there we would talk and uh, just so many, so many great times. I had to go to work early in the morning one day, and I, I got up really early, and I, I'm coming up the path from the, the boathouse, really steep path, and I get up there about 5.30 in the morning, and there's Sprouts sitting out there. I'm like, man, you're up early this morning, Sprouts. He said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone to bed yet. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, yeah, I've been dancing. All night. <laughs> Been at a wedding. We haven't stopped. I'm just going to bed now. <laughs> I thought you are my hero, Sprouts. <laughs> you danced all night long in your 70s. You're still going strong. Um, and I just loved. I love Sprouts so much. I loved all the moments I got to spend with him, and I love picking fruit with him because. Uh, he just loved fruit, and I used to tell people he would pick fruit every day in July, in August, in September, and October. He didn't miss a day for four months. He would be out there harvesting fruit, and to go and pick fruit with him was such a delight because he was just so happy when he was picking fruit. didn't matter what kind of fruit he was picking. We would just fill up buckets and buckets of fruit, and then he would just give it all away. And to me, I feel like that's... One of his great philosophies is pick all the fruit you can and then just give it away for free. Um, one other thing that Sprouse told me, he said one of his, his ideals in life was to make as little money as possible <laughs> and to give as little money of, of that to the government as possible. <laughs> um, I did get a few random stories from Sprouts over the years. I got to go on a road trip once with Sprouts for five days, and we went down into um, the Snake River and sitting around the campfire at night. And so I got to know a little bit more about Sprouts in some of his younger years. And 
I feel like. I mean, if this story doesn't come out now, it might not come out for a long time, so I'll tell you this one, but Sprouse was living in Israel at the time, and um, <laughs> I guess at the time he was going through, and I never knew if Sprouse's stories were completely true or not, or whether they were just the way a good storyteller tells them, <laughs> embellished, but um, I guess maybe he was going through a divorce to a lady back in the States at the time, and he was a little worried about his status in Israel, and uh, they were trying to serve him divorce papers, whatever reason. So Sprouse was trying to keep a low profile in Israel at the time, and apparently he was riding a motorcycle through the Negev Desert, which is about 100 degrees, and uh, he passed out. And he said to me at the time he was going 90 miles an hour on this motorcycle, and he passed out on the motorcycle. And he woke up in a hospital, and he was worried about the authorities finding him and, and serving him these divorce papers. So Sprouts decided to do a runner out of the hospital. So he took the ivy out in his gown and did a runner out of the hospital because he was afraid that they would find him. And I was like, I don't know if that's true, Sprouts. That's just too far-fetched, but... Um, one of the things I love dearly, dearly, dearly about Sprouts, and I get to work with kids here at KLT all the time, and, and any time I was doing almost anything with kids, Sprouts, I wouldn't even tell him where I was gonna be or at what time, but he had this magic, intuitive sense, I don't know, a radar to find me, to find a potluck, to find whatever was going on, and he would just be there, and. He just brought so much light with him and his smile, I'll never forget his smile. It's, it's just engraved in my mind how beautiful a smile he had as he passed out his fruit to everybody and just welcomed them. I miss him so much. Voicemail from Jeff, and I thought you'd like to hear his voice. It's very brief, but uh, anyway, a couple of years ago I asked him about these weeds, you know, the hawkweed. I said, "What do I do?" He said, "Plantain." <laughs> well, I've never planted any plantain, but we have got plantain all over the place. He came up there while we weren't there, I guess. And... <laughs> anyway. January 5th, just checking in, wrote you and Sandy. Hope everything's fine. I'm in Pennsylvania. Love you. Bye-bye. And the stories went on for about an hour and a half. People just kept standing up time and time again to talk about how this one man carried love all over our county very remote houses way back in the woods load up his truck with wood always have a shovel, a pick, a rock breaker and he always carried fruit and that's how I remember him a man of sweetness in 2009 
when Theo and I were getting ready to receive our twins into this world, it struck me the power of names, the very first blessing that's bestowed on a child is the name. So over the summer, as I was thinking about Jeff, missing him, I went digging around to find, what does Jeffrey mean? It's traced back to German, and it means divine peace. Then the nickname that was given to him, the new growth. And as someone else shared, he loved the song Forever Young. He carried sprouts in his soul and he passed out new life everywhere he went with smile, with children, with fruit, with labor, with service. So Jeffrey means divine peace, sprouts new growth from the earth, and almost as a divine appointing, his last name was Rich. Our lives here in the Hicks home were deeply enriched by his presence, and it's clear that we weren't the only ones. So rest in peace, Jeffrey Sprouts Rich. You are missed. You are loved. May your memory reside in us and call us forward into service to the earth and to our fellow man. You've been listening to the music of Relaxatone under these beautiful stories. Jason came here with his wife, Kate. They were on tour and spent a couple of days and uh, he came up to this space where I do the podcast, our barn, and he recorded this specifically for the podcast. And when I came back and saw him after the recording was done, he said, oh, it was really interesting. I did 528 hertz. But then this overtone came out, and it's the frequency of joy. We'll be using this track through season three, Love and Joy. If you'd like to know more about Relaxatone, you can go to laymedownpodcast.com or relaxatone.com. We'll also be posting the full video of the celebration of life for Jeffrey Rich on our YouTube channel, The Mycelium Collective. This podcast is a production of the Mycelium Collective, which exists to galvanize local and international communities towards greater trust and unity through creative collaboration. Thank you for joining us.